One of the things that I enjoy most, and I, like Barnard used to say, I'm not preaching now, I'm telling the truth. But I do honestly enjoy, thoroughly enjoy sitting down and listening to a person talk who knows what they're talking about. I enjoy that. I flat enjoy that. If I feel like that an individual is experienced in a certain field, that he's not talking about what he read or what somebody else said, but he's talking from experience in his field, and he is to some degree an expert in that field, I delight, I thoroughly enjoy listening to that person talk. Some time ago, I was in a home, and a young man in this congregation, Brother Tom Harding over here, was talking to us about the religion of Mormonism. And he wasn't talking to us out of a book he'd read about it, but he was talking out of his own personal experience. He'd lived it. He had been in it. He had been successful in it, and he was telling us about what he knew. And now that's enjoyable. And that goes for you men who are successful in your various fields. I like to hear you talk. I like to hear you talk about your business. And I like to hear you to Ed talk. You used to talk about contracting. I enjoy hearing somebody talk about something they know something about. Well, our scripture this morning is written by a man who knows what he's talking about. This isn't hearsay. Now, here, here you've got in this scripture, you've got, you've got someone talking to us who has been an old, dead, religious Pharisee. Paul was an expert at being a Pharisee. Spurgeon said one time, whatever Paul did, whether he was in rebellion or whether he was in repentance, he did it with all his heart. He never did anything halfway. And here's one who was an old Pharisee, steeped in religion, steeped in legalism, steeped in denominationalism, steeped in ritualism, steeped in self-righteousness. He knew religion. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 and listen to him talk about himself. He knew religion. He knew how useless it was. He knew there was no joy and no peace in ritualism and ceremonialism and self-righteousness. He knew that. And he said in Philippians 3, 4, watch this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man, any of you fellows think that you have whereof you might trust in the flesh, religiously, in your works and laws, duties and deeds, I more more than you. For he said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal. I persecuted the church as touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, I, I climb as high as you can climb, he said. 
self-righteous, religious, a law-abiding traditionalist. He knew religion. This man is an expert on the subject of being religious but lost. All right, secondly, this man speaking here is a sinner who had been truly broken at the feet of Christ on the road to Damascus. God broke him. God brought him to the feet of Christ. You've read his experience. He said he had secured papers from the high priest and from those in command to go down into Damascus and commit to prison people who were worshiping the name of Jesus Christ. And on the way to Damascus, he said, At midday, I saw a great light, and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, I cried, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And Saul of Tarsus was stricken blind and thrown off his horse in the dust, and they led him away from that spot, a blind man, until God later restored his sight, and in restore, and along with restoring his physical sight, he gave him spiritual sight. He said, I obtained mercy. He said, where sin did abound, where sin did overflow. Oh, he said, I was injurious. I was a persecutor, but I obtained mercy. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, sinners of whom I am the chief, of whom I am the chief. This man knew something about being brought from darkness to light from the depths of depravity to the kingdom of God's dear Son. He was speaking from experience. And then thirdly, here is God's chosen vessel to speak. Here's God's chosen vessel, Christ said, to bear his name before the Gentiles. I want you to look at this scripture in Acts chapter 9. You talk about a man who knows what he's talking about. You're talking about a man that's got a right to talk. You're talking about a man that ought to be heard. This was a man experienced in religion without Christ. Here's a man experienced in rebellion and sin and powerfully, supernaturally brought from that place, the place of worship and faith in Christ. And here's a chosen vessel God sent Ananias down to talk to Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and the Lord said, listen to verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, go your way. Now, you know Ananias had said, I've heard about this man Saul of Tarsus, how he persecutes people, commits people to prison. God said, now go your way, go your way. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Now, brethren, when I had a bad disc in my back and on recommendation from some friends, I made a trip all the way to Cleveland, Ohio to a man whom I believe is one of the best neurosurgeons in this country. 
And I sat in his office, saw some other people, and then they led me into a smaller office and sat down, and he came in. I admired him. I respected him. I knew he knew his business. You know what I did? Bob, I listened to him. I I just answered questions. I didn't tell him what I thought it was because I didn't know. I didn't advise him about how to do his business. I sat there with my mouth shut and listened to him. And listened to him. And I'll tell you this. Same thing goes for any other area where a man is an expert. Where he knows what he's talking And we're, we're sitting at the feet this morning of the Apostle Paul who's an expert. Let's listen. Oh, if... If I could just get myself and you and everybody to whom we preach to quit being experts ourselves, so opinionated. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. So let's see if we can't listen to somebody who knows his thoughts and knows his ways. And Paul, Paul had, God brought him through all of these experiences to minister to us. He went through all this religious training and all this religious Phariseeism and all this religious experience. He went through that, that he might be brought to this place to speak these words. And I'll tell you this, something else about him. He was the old Pharisee. He was a sinner broken by the power of God and brought to the feet of Christ. He was a chosen vessel to bear the name of Christ to the Gentiles. He was a missionary to the world. A missionary to the world. The founder of churches. The writer of holy scriptures. He knows the word. And fourthly, here's the old warrior. Bearing in his body the scars of persecution and trial. He paid for what he believed. He paid the consequence. He dared to boldly declare the gospel of God's grace and he bore in his body scars to prove it and he was about to close out his ministry he was about to go to be with his Lord and he wrote to his friends at Ephesus he wrote to his friends people here's a man the old warrior just about to fold up the tent and lay it aside and go to be with the Lord. And he writes to his friends, his friends at Ephesus. These people were special to him. In fact, he shared with them one of his most critical hours. Sometimes if you want to take the time to read it, I'll show you where it is. It's over here in Acts 20. One of his critical hours, he was about to go to Jerusalem, and he said, and he had been warned by the prophets that bonds in prison was waiting on him. And he'd been warned by the Holy Ghost that they would never see his face again. Bob, you know who he sent for? The elders at Ephesus. In this critical hour, in this time of farewell, in this last message the old warrior had to preach before he went to Jerusalem to suffer and die for Christ, he called, look at verse, verse uh, Acts chapter 20, and it's verse uh, 17. 
And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, and that there's the message that he spoke to them in Acts chapter 20. You can read it later. You can read it later. But in the midst of it, he says this. He says that he's going to be going away in verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God, I show you that to show you this, that these people to whom he was writing were special. Special. Now, what does he write? What does he say? He begins in verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless God. What does he write? He begins with a doxology. He begins with a hymn of praise to God. Bless God. Praise God. Adoration and glory be to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thought when I read this and was preparing the message, bless God, praise God, all adoration and glory be to God. What poor creatures we are. I am. What poor creatures we are who have not the understanding nor the will, nor the vocabulary to praise God as he ought to be praised. I'm not talking about jumping up and running around. I'm not even talking about raising our hands openly and outwardly and making all kind of signs. I think people can do that and not praise God. But I'm talking about that genuine, genuine, sincere, heart praise that goes up to glory, up to God. Like in Psalm 135. Turn over there a minute. Let me show you something. Psalm 135. Listen to this. Psalm 135. Let me just read a few verses here. And, and you know this, praising God can be done openly or inwardly, outwardly, quietly. But it's a heart condition and a heart expression we murmur well we've got the vocabulary for griping and murmuring we, we're all well equipped for that we've got the understanding and we've got the will to murmur but all oh, for the understanding and the vocabulary and the will to praise God bless God listen to Psalm 135 praise ye the Lord Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name. It's pleasant. Isn't that pleasant? 
And, and I'm not talking, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not looking for folks to jump up like popcorn here and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, so forth. I'm talking about if we could just do it quietly, personally, individually, sincerely, from the heart. Praise God. Well, thank God. Look, turn over one page, Psalm 135, verse 19. Listen, bless the Lord. Bless his name. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. And right out here, O house of Bartram, O house of Pennington, O house of Payne, O house of Tate, let's bless the Lord. That's what he's saying. That's what the writer of Scripture here is saying. Bless the Lord. Ever house. Ever house. Let it be a little church in itself to praise God. That's the way when Paul, when this man, he knows what he's talking about now. He's no novice. This, this old brother Barnard said, this is no one gallus evangelist coming through town. This is the old Pharisee, the old sinner saved by grace, the chosen vessel, the old warrior about to lay it down. He writes to his friend and says, Well, bless God. Bless God. Why? All right, let's read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First reason we bless God is because he is God. I do wish this, and I'm talking to me, that I could bless and praise God not just because of his gifts but because he's the giver. Bless God for himself. Bless God because he's worthy to be blessed. He's worthy to be praised because he's God. He's infinite holiness. He's infinite wisdom. Do you admire wisdom? Then you ought to admire God. He's infinite wisdom. Do you admire purity? Do you admire perfect purity? The glory and whiteness of perfect holiness. Do you? Then God is worthy to be praised. He's perfect holiness. Do you love somebody who loves, who shows forth that unselfish love? Pure love. Love because he loves, not because someone deserves it or buys it. So I sure do. Then you ought to love God. He's perfect love. He's worthy to be. He's infinite power. He's infinite justice. He's infinite righteousness. He's God. Bless God. Bless God. And not only because he's God, but because he's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, listen to me. I would never be guilty of dividing the Trinity in any way, setting one against the other. I worry about people who talk about the old Bible and new Bible. I worry about people when you read a scripture, they say, oh, that's in the Old Testament. I worry about people who seem to think that, that God of the Old Testament is somewhat different from the Christ of the New Testament. Let's never divide the Trinity. 
The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world because God loved. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come into this world and die on the cross in order to create love in the heart of God. He came because God loved. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world not to create mercy and love in the heart of God, but to enable God to exercise that love and mercy and still be God. You need to learn those things. The Redeemer's death is not the cause of God's love, it's the results of God's love. Bless God because He is God. Bless God because He's the Father. He's the giver. He's the sender of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless God. Praise God. And then thirdly, this old warrior says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. Bless God because He hath blessed us. He did it. He did it. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. He's the source of every mercy. He's the fountain of every comfort. I'll tell you this. I, I hear people use this term, and I, I know sometimes it slips out. I know sometimes that we say things that we really, that we really didn't mean to say. But we say things when some blessing comes our way, we say, boy... That was a good break. That was a good break. He, he got a good break. Uh, that, we sure were lucky. My friends, he hath blessed us. He hath blessed us. It's God that... And not only that, watch this. He hath blessed us. He hath already blessed us. Everything that we shall ever enjoy, God has already decreed and purposed to give us. Turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Listen to this. He hath blessed us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things, all things. You know, if we really believe this, if I really believe, you really believed it, We'd quit having so many of these mountains and valleys experiences. We'd quit being hot and cold, up and down, in and out. And we'd have a more peaceful, a more peaceful and level living experience day by day. And, and I'm not just talking to him, talking to me. There's something... We feel something goes wrong. In God's plan, nothing ever goes wrong. Like Scott said, I hadn't heard any bad news since I heard the good news. Because if I've heard the good news, then even the bad news is good news. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I've planted my feet on the rock of ages, and I shall not be moved. Not only not moved by success, but not moved by poverty or failure. Not only not move, be moved by elation, but I'll not be moved by depression. Because whatever happens, big, little, great, or small, it's for my good. Isn't that what he says? We believe it up here, don't we? 
If you were to give us a test on our Calvinism, it wouldn't make a hundred. If you, and as theological Calvinism, it wouldn't make a hundred. Give us a test on the experiential Calvinism, we'd probably all flunk. But it says here plainly, Romans 8, 28, I know that all, yeah, I know, but I know. No, he said, and I know that all things work together for good to them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called whom he called, he justified whom he justified, all past tense, he glorified. I'm already glorified. He hath blessed me. He hath. Doesn't say he will, plans to, intends to. He hath blessed me. I'm all right on that. Build on that. Trust in that. Hope on that. Rest in that. He hath blessed me. And all the demons in hell can't take it away. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. And neither height nor depth nor things present, nor things to come, nor angels, nor principalities from heaven or hell, nor powers, nor any other creature can separate me from that love of God in Christ. He hath blessed me. 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 You. He blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings. Now, brethren, we're such earthbound creatures I'm going to stop turning that television on listening to these preachers. I, I keep saying I'm just going to quit listening to them. Quit listening. I tell you, we think too much of this body. All in the world they ever talk about is, is driving a bigger car, living in a bigger home, getting my arthritis straightened out, getting my heart healed, getting my hearing back, getting my eyesight back, getting healed, getting the gifts, getting all... Prosper and plant your seed. You'll be rewarded. Rewards, healing, prosperity, financial. We're, that's all flesh. That's all in the world. All that junk is flesh. And I don't care how much of it I have, I'm going to wind up in a hole in the ground. Dead in a mackerel. Back to the dust from whence I came. You know what I need? I don't need better physical eyesight. I need some spiritual eyesight. I don't need to be able to hear you. It'd be better if I didn't. <laughs> the, the junk that goes on, it'd be better if I stoned death. I need to hear him who speaks from heaven. I need to hear. I don't need to be able to run up that hill. I can get there after a while walking. And I don't need to eat right. I don't live, need to live to be a hundred. I hope I don't. A hundred years of this junk's enough too much for anybody. I need to live forever. That's what I... I need these spiritual blessings Paul's talking about. These spiritual blessings. What are these spiritual blessings? Turn to 1 Corinthians 1. That's what I need. I need spiritual blessings. I tell you this, most people in financial difficulty got themselves there. Now, isn't that about right? 
<laughs> we overcharged. Now, I know a lot of it is unintentional and so forth, but I just think here in the United States of America we all try to live above and beyond our means. We need to operate with what God gave us. What God gave us. We used to. We used to. But here's what we need in 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom. Wisdom. And I'll tell you this wisdom thing. It's understanding. He hath come and given us understanding. Wisdom to see God's purpose and power. Wisdom to see God's grace in Christ and his glory in the face of Christ. That wisdom is Christ. Wisdom, righteousness, holiness, perfection. He has given us righteousness. The righteousness of God which is in Christ. He has given us sanctification. He has set us apart. He has made us his own. He has separated us from the thing, the defiled thing. He has taken that which is common and ordinary and made it godly. I'm his and he's mine. And he has given me redemption. I've found a ransom. I've been paid for. I've been bought and paid for. I've been redeemed. He has, he, bless God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's blessed me. What's he blessed you with? All spiritual blessings. Little word there. All spiritual blessings. Jesus Christ is made to me all I need. I don't need one thing that the law can give. I don't need one thing that the church can supply. I don't need one thing that I can supply. I don't need one thing that the Pope can supply. I don't need one thing that an angel can supply. I have in Christ all spiritual blessings. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I'm complete in him. All I need is in Christ. Is that right? Why don't we believe that? Why don't we rest? Why are we always getting upset and troubled about whether or not we're going to heaven or not? If Christ is in heaven, I'm going there. Because I've got in him all I need. All I need. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. Do you know, do you know this? This may, this may be a surprise, but this is true. That God made this world, God started this whole thing and brought it together and is letting everything go on as it has gone on. For your sakes. That's right, for our sakes. For Christ and us, and we're in Christ. Now listen to this in 1 Corinthians 3. I'll show you. Verse 21. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. A-double-L, all things are yours. All things. Eternally purposed and planned. Eternally designed and made. All, whether it's Paul... Paul was born and lived a Pharisee. He did that for your sake. His conversion, his, his revelations, his writings, that's for your sake. He's yours. Paul, Apollos, Peter, you're not, you're not, you're not his. 
You know, these, these religious leaders get all this power and they move people around like puppets. Well, the people aren't theirs. They belong to the people. If they're, if they're God's people, God's servant. Paul said, we preach Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Christ's sake. We're God's instruments and means that God has supplied to bring you to Christ. I endure all things for the elect's sake that they might come to knowledge of Christ. That's what he's saying. Paul, Cephas, Apollo, the world. God made the world for you. Or life, you're living to live again. Or death, you'll die to go home. Or things present or things to come, all are yours. Isn't that a, that's so. That's what he's saying. And you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. So this whole thing, this whole shooting match, the sun that shines, the moon that reflects the light, the stars, the planets, the earth, the creation, the fall, the restoration, the Christ coming, living, dying, suffering, buried, rose again, ascending to heaven, the apostles, the scriptures, that's all for us. That's all for us. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Now watch this. In the heavenlies. Now my friends, listen to me. And I know some of these things are necessary, and, and, but what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to get us to do, I'm trying to get us to do this. Let's put the emphasis where it belongs in our affection, where they ought to be. Where a man's treasure is, his heart is. Where his heart is, his treasure is. And I, some of you have money in the bank. You have money in the bank. You have businesses. But let me tell you something. They may fail tomorrow. The United States government may fail tomorrow. I hope not, but it, it could. In 1929, it did. There's folks jumping off the Empire State Building in 1929 because they suddenly, they were one day millionaires, next day they didn't have a dime. Not a thing. And you've got good health now. I've got good health. Thank, I, I'm thankful. But I tell you, I don't know about tomorrow. It may fail tomorrow. We have houses and lands. See, these are earthly things. These are earthbound things. We're earthbound creatures and all these things. These are all temporary. This is all temporary. But God hath blessed God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. But these spiritual blessings are not in this body. They're not in a bank. They're not in a building. They're in heavenly places. That's where are they? Where thieves don't break through and steal. Where moth and rust does not corrupt. My heavenly treasures and my heavenly blessings are where? Where my Savior is. Where my mediator is. They're at the right hand of God within the veil. Everything I've got, that's where it is, Bob. Mike, that's where it is. Everything lasting, that's right. Everything worthwhile. You say, is not your family worthwhile? Dear, dear, your friends, this church, dear, oh yes. But they're going to decay. That's what I'm saying. 
Let's use this world, but don't abuse it. You men work, but don't, don't get it in the wrong place. Our treasures are where Christ is now. These spiritual blessings, these spirit, God has blessed us physically. God's blessed us materially. God's blessed us in many ways. But the thing that counts, Paul said, bless God. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Let's read about it in Hebrews 6. Let's read about it in the heavenlies. And I'm not preaching down to you. You know that. I don't preach that way. I'm talking to us. I'm preaching to us. Now watch this right here. In Hebrews 6. Verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of our souls and it's sure and steadfast and it enters into that within the veil. And you know what that's talking about. They had the Old Testament tabernacle and the holy place where all the priests came. But in here, the holy of holies, separated by that veil, Right out here. That veil was right there. Back here, the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, the ark and the mercy seat, forgiveness, propitiation, grace, God's acceptance. And over that mercy seat, the Shekinah glory. Oh, to be within the veil. Oh, once a year, the high priest came in there with the blood. And God accepted it. Everything's all right. And brethren, let me tell you something. That's where I want my treasure, within the veil. But not this veil. Up yonder, in the holy place, not made with hands. In the presence of God himself. Listen to the next verse, 20. Within the veil. Whither? Where? The forerunner. Is for us already entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the heavenly places, these spiritual blessings that came from heaven, they are of a heavenly nature, they will lead to heaven, and Christ, our forerunner, has already entered into heaven, and we're there with him. Isn't that great? We have reason to bless God. To bless God. Let me give you a couple of more things. He said, bless God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. He has blessed us. Past tense. With all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Now, this is so important. And then I said, let's camp here. They're in Christ. These spiritual blessings that count these spiritual blessings that cause us to rejoice, these spiritual blessings, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, justification, acceptance, peace, joy, no judgment, no condemnation. Spiritual blessings are ours, and they're within the veil. They're there in our name. In our name. Because Christ wears our names on his heart. That's right. They're there. The forerunner's already entered in. He's not going to. He's already entered in and possessed it for us. 
in Christ. And here's where we're most prone to miss the good news. And here's where we're, this makes it all, this makes it all, it forfeits it all if you can't see this. We talk about God's blessings. We talk about all that God gives. We talk about the spirituality of what God gives. We talk about a heavenly hope. But my friend, the source is in Christ. These blessings are not in me. They're not in the church. They're not in an altar. They're not in a baptismal pool. They're not in a sacrament. They're not in religion. They're not in your do's and don'ts. These blessings are in Christ. They're in Christ. And they, I participate in them by a union with Jesus Christ, and that union with Jesus Christ comes by faith in Christ. Listen to this song. In Christ, the Father's sovereign love was freely to me given. In Christ, the Father's righteous grace secured my home in heaven. In Christ I have all my soul desires. He is my supreme delight. In Christ all that God requires to turn my darkness into his light. In Christ the source of all my bliss, my Savior, brother, friend, my wisdom, my righteousness on him and only on him do I depend. If you can ever come to that place you're saved, that's right. I'm walking out and doing the work. If you have come to that place, that place, let me tell you a story. In the land of Egypt, there was seven years of plenty. Seven years of plenty. Followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph told Pharaoh, he said, there will be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of plenty. A famine. So Pharaoh said, all right, Joseph, you're in charge. He turned over him the whole country. It's farming, storage, and everything. Well, the seven years of plenty ended and the famine began. Turn to Genesis 41. Let me show you something. Now, this is so important here. I want you to turn with me. Genesis 41. This is a type and a picture. And the people were hungry. The people of other nations were hungry. And it says here in verse 55 of Genesis 41, with me? And when all the land of Egypt was famished, people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. And what he says to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all the countries came unto Egypt to Joseph to buy corn. And you see what I'm saying? This is a good type, picture of Christ. You go to God, you say, I want forgiveness. He says, go to Christ. Go to Christ. You, see, you go to all these different sources of the world, they say, go to Christ. Christ opens the storehouse. But like all types, and I wish we could get this through our heads, they serve only one purpose and they're all imperfect. A picture is not the real thing. 
An illustration is not the real thing. Joseph filled the storehouses. Joseph had charge of the storehouses. Joseph opened the storehouses. But wait a minute. Joseph himself was not the storehouse. And that's what I'm saying about Christ. He fills the storehouses. He has charge of the storehouses. He opens the storehouse. But here's the thing. He himself is the storehouse. He is the bread. He is the life. He is my righteousness. He himself. He doesn't just give me sanctification. He is my sanctification. That'll help us if we can discover that more than anything else. That he, Christ himself, is these things. Having him, I have them. Bless God. We're going to continue this tonight in the next few verses. Get into some old-fashioned grace preaching. Bless God. He hath blessed us. We're not worthy. I know that. Good gracious. He doesn't bless worthy people. He loves unworthy people. Doesn't save righteous. He saves sinners. With all the spiritual blessings, and they're in the heavenlies, within the veil, and they're ever one in Christ. And so I, I could I could do what all the preachers doing this morning. I could say, now let's every head bow and every eye closed. Now I want you to tell me the what's the use in that? I'm tired of tradition. Why? Why you won't bow your head and close your eyes? Everybody looks around. Everybody knows everybody's a sinner. You just say sinner as I am. And you see me, you bowing your head, and me bowing my head. Now everybody here wants to go to heaven. Raise your hand. I never met anybody who want to go to heaven. But I'm telling you this. God has set his king in the holy hill of Zion. And I'm saying to you, whether you want to raise your hand or bow your head or what you want to do, you better fall at his feet and worship him. And that's a command. That ain't no invitation. Ain't that right? I'm not inviting anybody to believe God. I'm telling you, you better believe God. I'm not inviting anybody to receive Christ as his personal Savior. I'm commanding every man to repent and every man and woman to fall at the feet of Christ and give him the glory. It's his. And if you don't do it here, you'll do it in hell. But you're going to do it. Is that true? That's so now. That may be hard. You say, that won't get you crowds. Well, I know it won't, but it, I tell you this, the people who will bow, they'll sure be glad. They sure gonna be glad. And people who are honest say, that's the truth. That's the truth. And I all this traipsing up and down now and shaking hands and trying to scare young children. Scare them, showing them burning hell pictures and all. You some of you kids saw that one time. Make a decision, because you don't want to go to hell. God is not going to receive you on the basis of of your being afraid to go to hell. He's going to receive you on the basis of believing his word and believing his son. And that's inwardly personal, and that's not some preacher putting his approval on you. We're seeking God's approval, not men's. Please be patient with me. I'm trying to tell the truth. And I tell you, in a world that doesn't want to hear it, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to be truthful when you've got so many traditions and customs and 
the way people do things, not because God said it, because that's they always, 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 they've always done it. Our Father, give us, give us these words, not just words, but these praises in these hearts of ours that we may say with Paul, Bless God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who himself hath blessed us, unworthy creatures, with all that we need, all that we need. And our circumstances and environment doesn't change those mercies because they're not here, they're in heaven. They're not, they're not changeable like the things of this world, even our fleshly natures. But they're in heavenly places within the veil wherein Christ our forerunner has already entered and secured them for us because they're in him, in him. And ours because we're in him. And we thank you. And we praise you. Lord, we want to see people saved. We want to see our young people brought to knowledge of Christ. But we just don't want to see some outward walkings and workings. We, we want to see the results of your working inwardly in the hearts of men and women. Faithfulness, loyalty, devotion, dedication, faith in Christ. Grace demonstrated. Grace demonstrated. Do that for us. We pray in Christ's name.